because Qui-Gon is different than the rest of the Jedi. And you get that in the movie and Qui-Gon is fighting because he knows he's the father that Anakin needs. Because Qui-Gon hasn't given up on the fact that Jedi are supposed to actually care and, and love and that that's not a bad thing. But Qui-Gon is ahead of them all. And that's why he's not part of the council. So he's fighting for Anakin. And that's why it's the duel of the fates. It's the fate of this child. And depending on how this fight goes, Anakin is gonna, his life is gonna be dramatically different. So Qui-Gon loses, of course. And he's left with Obi-Wan. So he's a brother to Anakin eventually, but he's not a father figure. Mm. That's, that's a failing for Anakin. He doesn't have the, the family that he needs. And Star Wars ultimately is about family. This is for our love of a galaxy far, far away. It's a galaxy as big as our imaginations, but it feels close like a member of the family. This is Forever Star Wars. Hello there. From the moment we come into this world, family is the first social construct we learn about. It shapes our understanding of the world around us. The people who take care of us as children form our first impressions about relationships. In most cases, those relationships teach us about boundaries and values, and they inform what kind of adult we will become. Family is at the very heart of Star Wars. It's a theme that drives the engine of almost every plot. But Star Wars goes one step beyond and explores what it means to be in a family, the good and the bad. Sometimes family is problematic. Sometimes families are torn apart. Children discover their parents are monsters, or parents watch as their children fall from the light. There are so many examples of family in Star Wars that I've had a difficult time narrowing my focus to just a few examples. The Skywalker family is a rather obvious place to start. But there's not much to say there that hasn't already been said, especially within the story itself. Adoptive family is another topic that sort of runs adjacent to the Skywalker legend. Luke and Leia, for instance, were both raised by people who were not their biological parents. These adoptive families were every bit as important in shaping who Luke and Leia became, even more so than their bloodline. The Jedi Order can be viewed as a kind of adoptive family as well. This framework, however, was complicated by politics and bureaucracy. It failed as a healthy family environment in so many ways, not the least of which was the fall of Anakin Skywalker. But another pertinent story within the Order was that of Ahsoka Tano. Like Anakin, her relationship to the Order was strained, but for entirely different reasons. I have a special affinity for Ahsoka's story as it relates to the Jedi Order. I gravitated strongly to it as a member of the LGBTQ community. I've written a special article on that very topic for ClashingSabers.net. If you want to check it out there, you can think of it as a part two of this episode. Another prevalent theme in Star Wars is one of missing parental figures. Mothers have an unusually high mortality rate in these films. You will never win. Do it. They have a child. Find it. 
After witnessing the murder of her mother, Jen Urso spends the remainder of her life coming to terms with the parental figures who have disappointed or abandoned her. Her father, Galen, left to continue his work on the Death Star, and her guardian, Saul Guerrera, abandoned her when she was 16. The last time I saw you, you gave me a knife and loaded blaster and told me to wait in a bunker till daylight. I knew you were safe. You left me behind. You were already the best soldier in my cadre. I was 16. I was protecting you. You dumped me. You were the daughter of an Imperial science officer. People were starting to figure that out. People who wanted to, to use you as a hostage. Not a day goes by that I don't think of you. But when Jin learned why her father's work on the Death Star was so important, and why his plans to sabotage it could give the Rebel Alliance a chance to fight the Empire, she found a new family within the cause of the Rebel Alliance. It won't be comfortable. Be a bit cramped, but we don't, we don't fit. We can go. Hey, you're up. Grab anything that's not NATO. Go, go, go! Jin. I'll be there for you. Cassian said I had to. I'm not used to people sticking around when things go bad. Welcome home. This aspect of family has very special meaning in Star Wars, and it comes up again and again. It's the idea of chosen family. People who come into our lives through circumstance, but who become as close as family. Sometimes, chosen family is the only family people ever know. Gay, lesbian, bisexual, and trans youth are sometimes disowned by their families at birth. Many find themselves homeless and suddenly cut off from the family that they look to for protection and support. The fortunate find their way into the larger LGBTQ community where they make friends with other people who've also been abandoned and cast aside by society. Although that was not my experience as a young gay man coming out, I soon learned that the word family was often used by other gay people as a code word to identify each other. For example, someone's name would come up in casual conversation and another person would ask, is he family? Which meant, is he gay? Star Wars explores the idea of people coming together out of a shared desire to fight oppression. No matter what their backgrounds, people from all over the galaxy, all races, all ages, creeds, find common ground fighting together for a common cause. Discovering this shared desire is often the first step in forming a newfound family connection. The Force. The Force brought me here. Brought me to Ray and Poe. You say that like you're sure it's real. It's real. I wasn't sure then, but... I am now. FN-2187 was just another stormtrooper in the First Order's legion of programmed soldiers. But the Force awakened Finn and helped him see that the family he thought he knew was a lie. When that happened on Jakku, Finn was like a newborn baby. The universe was strange and vast. It was empty of meaning. When he stumbled out of the TIE Fighter wreckage, his new best friend Poe seemingly dead, 
Finn wandered aimlessly in search of shelter. A metaphor for how lost he was without the First Order, or without the one friend he'd made just a few hours earlier. Finn was lost in every way a person can be lost. But he soon ran headfirst into his destiny. Like Finn, Ray was another soul longing to connect. Finn had just lost the only definition of family he'd ever known, but Ray believed her family was somewhere out there. She was determined to hold vigil on Jakku until the day they returned. Like a whirlwind of fate, Finn and Ray were thrown together, and for the first time in his life, Finn encountered someone who extended the hand of friendship. Are you okay? Yeah. Follow me. No one had ever shown Finn that kind of compassion. As the First Order chased them around the ship graveyard, they learned quickly how to rely on one another. They worked together, becoming in sync. We need cover, quick! We're about to get some! They anticipated each other's next move, learned to trust each other's instincts. Not shooting. Thanks. How did you do that? I don't know. No I've one trained ships, but I've never no left one? the planet. Your last that was amazing. Oh, you you set me up for it. it that was, was pretty good. You're okay. He's with the resistance. He's gonna get you home. We both will. I don't know your name. Finn, what's yours? I'm right. Like a baby bird imprinting on the first thing it sees, Finn became attached to Ray. Where she went, he went. She was the one soul in the galaxy he could count on. His very survival depended on it. And who better to call best friend than a survivor like Ray? But Finn's first interactions with Ray were under the pretense of a lie. As they grew closer, Finn knew he had to confess his past. He respected Ray too much to be dishonest. She deserved to know who he really was. And by telling her the truth, Finn revealed why she was so important to him. You looked at me like no one ever had. I was ashamed of what I was. But I'm done with the First Order. I'm never going back. Ray, come with me. Don't go. Take care of yourself. Please. The framing of this scene is important to note. Finn and Ray are on stairs. Ray is positioned on a stair higher than Finn, causing him to look up to her. Finn literally and figuratively looks up to Ray. She has his deepest respect. As much as he wants to stay by her side and fight, he's still running from who he is. But he had to tell her the truth. That's what you do with family. Family knows you like no one else can. You might need this. I think I can handle myself. I know you do. That's why I'm giving it to you. Take it. You know how to use one of those? Yeah, you pull the trigger. A little bit more to it than that. You got a lot to learn. You got a name? Ray. Ray. I've been thinking about bringing on some more crew, Ray, a second mate, someone to help out, someone who can keep up with Chewie and me, appreciates the Falcon. 
Are you offering me a job? I wouldn't be nice to you. Doesn't pay much. You're offering me a job. I'm thinking about it. In her brief time with him, Ray saw qualities in Han that she could relate to. Resourcefulness, wit. He offered a job, but he might also become her mentor. Ray spent her life on Jakku wondering what the galaxy was like, but never straying from home for fear of missing the return of her family. So it's remarkable that as soon as she left Jakku, she was introduced to people she learned to trust and who offered her a place to belong. The belonging you seek is not behind you. It is ahead. At every turn, the Force was telling Ray not to look back. Her destiny lay in the future and in future relationships. The belonging she waited for on Jakku would never find her. She had to leave so she could find it. Ray began to appreciate the value of her newly found family while on Starkiller Base. You all right? Yeah. Good. What happened to you? Did he hurt you? Finn, what are you doing here? We came back for you. What did he say? That it was your idea. Thank you. How did you get away? I can't explain it, and you wouldn't believe it. Escape now. Hug later. Ray embraced Finn because he was the first person in her life who ever returned for her. She realized he was the family she'd been waiting for her entire life. The circumstances of their respective pasts were no longer as important as what they meant to each other here and now. She would continue to search for her own place in the universe and attempt to answer questions about her missing parents, but she no longer felt alone. Ray knew who she could count on. What are you doing here? Hey, hi. Uh, I was, uh, you know, I was just... You're Finn. The Finn. The Finn? Sorry. I work behind pipes all day. Doing talking with resistance heroes is not my forte. Doing, doing talking. I'm Rose. Breathe. <laughs> On the heels of loss, Rose Tico found herself face to face with someone she never expected to meet. Even though he'd only been with the resistance a short time, Finn's name had become legendary. Rose was not one to seek the spotlight. As an engineer, pipes and gadgets and wires were her aspiration. But when she had a chance to speak with someone so renowned within the higher echelons of the Resistance, she let her enthusiasm get the best of her. Okay, but you are a hero. You left the First Order what you did on the Starkiller base. When we heard about it, my sister Paige said, Rose, that's a real hero. No right from wrong and don't run away when it gets hard, she said. You know, just this morning, I've had to stun three people trying to jump ship in this escape pod. What? They were running away. That's disgraceful. For Rose, family and the Resistance were one and the same. Her sister Paige was a bomber pilot who'd given her life recently in a strike against the First Order. Rose's found family, the Resistance, was all she had left. So it was no surprise that she would gravitate towards Finn, even if that idol worship was soon tempered by the revelation that Finn was attempting to leave the Resistance. Despite a rocky start, Rose and Finn became very close. Some of that closeness may have been one-sided puppy love on the part of Rose, 
but she soon came to think of Finn as family. And to Rose, family was the only thing worth fighting for in this war. She ascribed her loyalty to the Resistance as a need to fight for something, not against. Why would you stop me? I saved you. Tell me. That's how we're gonna win. Not fighting what we hate. Saving what we love. That's one of the fundamental differences between the Resistance and the First Order. The First Order was only interested in domination, order, power. The idea of family did not factor into the equation, and if it did, family's only purpose was fealty to the goal of universal suppression. By contrast, the Resistance was built on the foundation of justice and friendship and empathy. They were devoted to protecting something greater than themselves. It was something that lived on even when individual members of the Resistance perished. It was love for each other. Oh no. Oh Dameron, you're alive? Buddy, so are you. What happened to you? What happened? I got thrown from the crash. I woke up at night, no you, no ship, nothing. BB-8 says that you saved him. No, 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 it wasn't just me. You completed my mission, Finn. That's my jacket. Oh, oh. No, 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 no. Keep it, it suits you. You're a good man, Finn. Poe, I need your help. Poe was just as important to Finn as Ray. In a lot of ways, his introduction to Poe was similar in the way that he met Ray on the run. What's your name? FN2187. F. What? That's the only name they ever gave me. Well, I ain't using it. FN, huh? Finn, I'm gonna call you Finn, is that alright? Finn. Yeah. Finn, I like that. I like that. I'm Poe, Poe Dameron. Good to meet you, Poe. Good to meet you too, Finn. Survival has a way of bringing people together. A shared peril instills an immediate need for trust. Finn learned a lot about Poe in that short amount of time. And when Finn realized Poe had survived the crash, he decided not to take Poe's friendship for granted. We'll see each other again. I believe that. The quest to find Luke Skywalker became an imperative for which Rey had to part ways with her newfound family. Thank you, my friend. After the death of Han, Ray found comfort in the empathic kindness of Leia Organa, someone who would come to represent much more to Ray than a mother figure. Ray, may the Force be with you. General Organa was a stabilizing presence in Ray's life. Not only was she a connection to both Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, she was the mother of Ben Solo, whose alter ego Kylo Ren possessed a mysterious allure for Ray. Something in the Force was drawing them together. In order to face this, Rey would find strength in Leia's mentorship. I will earn your brother's saber. One day. No, you can't do it for me. Never underestimate a droid. Yes, Master. Leia became Rey's conduit to the Force. As found family goes, Leia was the center of Rey's destiny. What'd you do to the Falcon? Falcon's in a lot better shape than he is. BB-8's not on fire. What's whole... left of him isn't on fire. Tell me what happened. You tell me first. You know what you are. What? You're difficult. Really difficult. You, You're a difficult man. You are. Ray. Finn. Oh, you made it back. Yeah, barely. So, bad mood. Me? Him. Always. Inevitably, found families do what all families do. 
they bicker. Who? Oh, the compressor's down. Oh, I know. I was there. Every time. You can't light speed skip the Falcon. Actually, it turns right, out guys, you can. We just no. landed, okay? What happened? Bad news, that's what happened. No spy. No spy. Did we make contact with a spy or not? There's a mole in the first order and they sent us a message. You dropped a tree on them? You blew both subble to well, You know what? Maybe guys. you should have been out there with you us. You know I want to be yeah, out but, there but with you. Yeah, but you're not. You're here training. For what? You're the best fighter we have. We need you. Out there, not here. Junior. The sequel trilogy established Poe, Rey, and Finn as the Luke, Han, and Leia of the series. The friends as family dynamic in the original trilogy featured lots of sarcasm, jabs, and tension that only close friendships can have. The thing about family is that they can get under your skin like nobody else. Family members know each other better than anyone. They know what makes each other tick. They know each other at their best and their worst. And when it comes to something as important as saving the galaxy, family is going to disagree on the best way to get it done. Add to that dynamic the Force and all its mysteries, and you get a threesome that is fraught with conflict. Ray and Poe were both accomplished strategists within the Resistance, but they don't always agree on the best strategy. Finn was an accomplished fighter, but often he found himself as the referee in Ray and Poe's quarrels. Poe didn't understand the Force or why Ray's training was so important that it took her off the front lines. Ray knew why. Leia knew. Even Finn came to know, having discovered his own Force sensitivity. What the hell was she thinking? Well, we gotta go after her. We'll get the Falcon fixed and get out there as fast as we no, can. No, we're gonna lose her. Look, she left us. What do you want to do, swim? She's not herself. You have no idea what she's fighting. And you do? Yeah, I do. And so does Leia. I'm not Leia. That's for damn sure. What makes truth like this truly sting is the closeness of the trio. They've laughed and cried together. They know each other's faults and each other's fears. Finn knew that Poe doubted his own leadership skills, especially as he stood in the shadow of General Organa. But as Finn proclaimed to understand what Ray was going through, Ray nevertheless felt alone. He killed my mother. And my father. Going to find Palpatine. And destroy him. Ray, that doesn't sound like you. Ray, I know you. People keep telling me they know me. I'm afraid no one does. When she discovered she was the granddaughter of Sheev Palpatine, she began to question everything she thought she knew about herself. A truth about family is that sometimes you have to get out of the way and let family members discover their own truth. A family structure can be a stifling thing. It often forces you to conform to the way others see you. Family can be your support line, but sometimes you have to break from those ties to discover who you really are. And that can be one of the most difficult journeys one can take. Ideally, your family sticks with you as you make this discovery. Hopefully, they understand why you must walk the path alone. The bond shared between Ray, Finn, and Poe was tested by the revelation that she was a Palpatine, but the strength of their love for one another held strong. The galaxy's fate was decided by ordinary people who banded together despite their differences and stood up for what was right. They found a way to work together to fight evil. Ray and Finn and Poe each had families of origin, 
but they came together and created a new family with a shared goal of resisting the dark side of the Force. Each played off each other's strengths. They lifted one another up when they faltered. To put it simply, they had each other's backs. That's what family does. The best families lift their own up, and the sequel trilogy trio was no exception. Finn turned his back on the First Order and helped others to find their way after doing the same. Finn became an example of someone programmed to be destructive but choosing to rebuke that way of life. Finn became an inspiration of loyalty and honor and dependability. Poe learned how to be a leader from role models like General Organa, but also by being kept honest by his friends. Ray and Finn challenged him to be better. They wouldn't let him compromise his potential. And as a result, he was inspired to achieve greater things than he thought possible. And Rey from nowhere discovered her destiny as the future of the Jedi religion. She realized that bloodline does not determine one's destiny in darkness nor in light. Destiny is of one's choosing. She didn't choose her family of origin, but she could choose who to call family. There's been no one for so long. Who are you? I'm Ray. Ray who? The most powerful element of chosen family is agency, the ability to shape your own identity through close relationships. This happens through people who love you, but most importantly, with people you choose to love. Ray Skywalker. Bloodlines determine biology, but love is what makes a family. Star Wars sneaks in themes of found family in unexpected places. The underworld of smugglers, thieves, gangsters, and crime lords wouldn't be the most obvious place to look for chosen family, but Solo A Star Wars Story managed to give us just that with the crew of Tobias Beckett. In their brief time together, the miscreants proved to be rather sentimentally attached to one another, as this campfire scene illustrates. There was a girl, but uh, I got out, she didn't. I swore to myself I'd become a pilot, get a ship, go back and find her. That's what I'm going to do right after this job. How do you know she'll still be there? I just know. Personally, I refuse to be tied down by anyone, though many have tried. Come on, Rio. You don't fool me. Everybody needs somebody. Even a broken down old crook like this one. How about you? What are you going to do with your share? What was he saying? He said the Wookiees were enslaved by the Empire, taken off Kashyyyk. He's searching for his, uh, I don't know if he said tribe or family. What's the difference? Being members of a team requires cooperation and a degree of trust that creates strong bonds. Although I suppose you could say they're technically co-workers, but remember, shared peril is often a way to bring people together and form relationships that go deeper than friendship. There is no better example of a crew that becomes family than Star Wars Rebels. 
Who are you people? I mean, you're not thieves exactly. We're not exactly anything. We're a crew, a team, in some ways a family. It's a little too easy to say that the crew of the Ghost falls into traditional family unit roles. Sure, on the surface, one might say Hera is the mom, Kanan the dad, Ezra and Sabine are the unruly kids, and Zeb... Well, I don't know exactly what Zeb is supposed to be in this family. Maybe he's the cranky, foul-mouthed, weightlifting uncle who lives in the garage apartment until he can get back on his feet. Carabast. Rather than look at this crew through a prism of strict gender conformity, let's just say that Hera and Kanan make up the guiding leadership of the group. They're the mentors. They also happen to be partners, frequently turning to each other for support, or challenging each other about the direction in which to take the crew. You can't just tell Chopper to project a hologram in a secret debriefing without authorization. Authorization? Procedure? That's what's bothering me. All right. Talk to me. <sighs> After this mission, I want us to go back on our own. Fighting alongside soldiers isn't what I signed up for. You seem to be forgetting these soldiers helped save your life. And I'm grateful. But that doesn't mean I want to join their little army. When you and I started together, it was robbed from the Empire, give to the needy. A noble cause. And now we're getting drawn into some kind of military thing. And I don't like it. We are fighting a bigger fight. But it's still the right fight. I survived one war. I'm not ready for another one. I saw what it did. To the Jedi. To everyone. Each character has a rich backstory within the series that gives the family dynamic more relevance. Let's take a look at each of them and explore what their respective histories bring to their bond as a chosen family. The Sindula family on Ryloth was where Hera learned the worth of fighting against impossible odds. They fought against the droid armies during the Clone Wars, and they continued to fight when the occupying Republic became the Empire. Hera's father, Sham, didn't approve of the way she latched onto people and causes that were, to him, beneath her talents. Is that the old Astromech you found during the Clone War? His name is Chopper. <laughs> if you gave me half the attention you gave this second-rate junk pile, we'd have liberated Ryloth by now. <laughs> this is what's wrong with you, child. You hold on to the wrong things. Devote your time and effort to lost causes. What a waste. I am not wasting my life. I help people. I lead ships into battle. I am part of something bigger. The Rebellion. I thought you knew better than to put your faith in outsiders. You forget what happened when we trusted the Republic. This is different. The Rebels are fighting to free everyone. Free everyone? I don't care about everyone. I care only about Ryloth. So I've noticed. But this quality is what made Hera stand apart from her father. She didn't see big or small causes, noble or lost causes. She saw cause, and she saw need. And if she was in a position to make a difference, whether it was locally or within her own crew, she did what was necessary to make things better. She was always in tune with the needs of others. That's what made her a great leader. Even though Hera put others before herself, she didn't do it at the expense of her own needs. She felt a calling from an early age to be high above in the sky because it was up there that she knew she could make a difference. The sky is where she could explore her own potential. So you left your family to fight? 
I left my family so I could fly. As a combat pilot? If we want freedom, we must make difficult choices. I chose to leave my family. I chose to learn to fly. And then I chose to use that ability to help others in need. It's all rooted in something I can't explain. A need to be up there. Because even when there are explosions all around me and things are at their worst, I feel like I'm at my best. We've wasted enough time. There are beings in need of help, and my ship is in need of a pilot. Part of what makes Hera an effective parental figure is that she knew how to balance her desires with the needs of the people that she cared for. She didn't feel as if she had to choose between one or the other. Career or parent was not the only choice available. She could do both. One could enhance the other. Her empathy for others did not limit her in what she could achieve as either a pilot or as a leader. Her empathy was a strength. It gave her the ability to seek ways to improve her skills as a pilot, while also making the galaxy a better place and making a difference in the lives of her chosen family, the Ghost Crew. You always say I should trust the Force. I thought that's what I was doing. Your emotions clouded the vision. It takes... Training and discipline? To see things clearly, yes. Visions are difficult, almost impossible to interpret. What was the last vision you had? I saw this bratty kid that constantly caused me trouble. <laughs> I guess you read that one wrong. Yeah, I guess so. As a former Padawan, Kane and Jarrus didn't get the benefit of transitioning into Jedi Master in the way he would have had the Order not fallen. But he found himself in the position of training young Ezra Bridger's Force abilities nonetheless. Kanan spent years hiding his Jedi identity out of self-preservation, but the values he was taught as a Padawan wouldn't allow him to turn his back on a young Force-sensitive boy he met by chance. He knew that Ezra needed guidance if he was going to realize his potential and avoid the pitfalls of becoming stronger in the Force. You weren't focused. Tough to focus when I'm falling to my death. You wouldn't have been falling to your death if you were focused. You're undisciplined and full of self-doubt. And whose fault is that, Master? It's difficult to teach. It means it's difficult to teach you. The role of teacher takes on a natural parental tone just by its very nature. Someone of more experience has an obligation to share what they've learned with those who do not possess such knowledge. This is done to ensure that the next generation grows and matures with all the advantages affordable to them. It's a tremendous responsibility, and Kanan's reluctance with Ezra had more to do with Kanan's own self-doubt than it did with doubting Ezra. Not only was Kanan unsure if he was fit to be the kind of teacher Ezra needed, Kanan was also afraid to take on that responsibility out of a fear of loss. The moment Kanan stepped up to become a parental figure is the moment he decided to commit to his responsibility to Ezra. Look, don't bother saying it. I'm letting you off the hook. What are you talking about? I know you wanted to dump me on Luminara. Just because she's gone doesn't mean you're stuck with me. I don't want to dump you. <sighs> Look, I just wanted you to have the best teacher. Well, I don't want the best teacher. I want you. Not that you're not the best, I- Ezra, I'm not gonna try to teach you anymore. If all I do is try, that means I don't truly believe I can succeed. So from now on, I will teach you. 
I may fail, you may fail, but there is no try. I understand, Master. Let's see if you do. This scene ends with the visual of Ezra and Kanan standing outside the ghost ship. Kanan pitching rocks at Ezra as Ezra slices them with his lightsaber. It's a subtle thing, but the visual suggests a parent and child playing a game of catch. One of the many nods the show gives to the idea of found family. Thought I was just about the last of us. How is this possible? Do you remember me, Captain? You look familiar. Gron, I served under you in the guard. This is Chava, the wise. Oh yeah, I know who she is. I didn't know you were a captain. He never told any of us. It was so long ago, I, I forgot. We have not. Gerizeb Aurelius lost his people in the great imperial purge of Lasan. He experienced the worst of what the Empire was capable of, systematic genocide. Every member of the Ghost Crew suffered under the heel of the Empire, but no one bore the brunt of that oppression like Zeb. But through fate, Zeb found an opportunity to reconnect with a people he thought he'd lost. It was a pain so deeply personal that Zeb had hidden it from the Ghost Crew, the only family Zeb had left. For the first time, Zeb was confronted by his own feelings of inadequacy. Ezra saw this and attempted to counsel him on what he was going through. As captain of the Honor Guard, I was responsible for protecting the royal family and every single Lissot. Their safety was my duty. You couldn't have stopped the Empire. I fought to the end. We held the palace. And then there was a bomb. And when I woke up, it was all just gone. We retreated. I was as good as dead. At least until Kanan found me. Caraplast. I can't imagine. I lost my parents, but you must have lost everyone. But at least you're alive, and, and you've got a chance to help your people again. They called me Captain. I don't deserve to be called that. I failed my people that day. So don't fail them now. Ezra was doing what family does. He recognized that his brother-in-arms was in distress, and in order to help him, Ezra gave him a little nudge, a push of conscience to help Zeb get back on the right track. With the support of his found family and his reconnection with the Lasat, Zeb was able to fulfill his destiny and help find the homeworld of the Lasat refugees. In one of the most visually stunning scenes in the series, Zeb uses his bow rifle staff to activate the ghost ship's hyperdrive, which navigates the star cluster Maelstrom to the lost Lasat planet of prophecy. Zeb is able to confront his past through the support of his ghost family. As Zeb activates the ancient power in his bow rifle, Ezra and Kanan place their hands upon him in a sign of spiritual support that is one of the most moving images of the series. Chosen Family has the ability to allow us to atone for past sins or to realize our potential by seeing ourselves through the eyes of those who love us instead of only seeing our own failures. In doing this, Gerizeb Aurelius not only helped the Lasat refugees find a new home, they all found the new home was populated by other members of the race. The Lasat were saved. They were saved through the faith in each other. Sabine Wren came from a strong and noble clan on Mandalore. 
Her family of origin was distant, but still very much relevant in her life. Even as she carved out a new identity for herself as a self-possessed, rebellious freedom fighter with an artistic streak, the Wren family name loomed over Sabine like a shadow. It was a family she no longer connected to, but she had never told the ghost crew why. Sabine had been an Imperial Academy cadet, but she broke ties with the Empire when the Empire began using weapons she helped design against her people. At a time when she was the most vulnerable, the Wren family did not have Sabine's back. This created a rift between them. Sabine confronted her mother over this decision when she returned home with a newly acquired Darksaber, a symbol of leadership for their people. Well, I'm holding it. That's a pretty good claim. Anyone can hold the Darksaber. The trick is keeping it, along with your head. Do you even know how to wield that blade? You'd be surprised. Always so immature, so selfish. Yeah, and what about you? Always putting power and politics before your own family? Everything I do is to protect my family, Sabine. Please, you do it for control. The conflict with her family was an open wound that Sabine had attempted to suppress, but going back home dredged up a lot of those buried feelings of hurt and remorse. It was a side of Sabine that she kept tucked away from the new family she knew as the Ghost Crew. It took a sparring match with Kanan to pull the truth out of her, Knowing that her past was the only thing holding her back, Kanan did what a mentor should do. He pushed her. He compelled her to confront the truth that was haunting her. You're not fighting me. You're fighting yourself. And losing. You're not committed to this. You should quit. I don't quit. I never quit. Really? That's not what it looks like. You did run, didn't you? No! But that's what your people believe, isn't it? You ran from the Empire. You ran from your family. Lies! So what's the truth? He knew that she had to get past the wall that she'd built around herself. It wasn't a wall Sabine was using to keep others out. It kept Sabine from embracing her potential. Kanan saw this and he was determined to dismantle that wall. I helped enslave my people! I wanted to stop it. I had to stop it. I spoke out. I spoke out to save them. To save everyone! But when I did, my family didn't stand with me. They chose the Empire. They left me, gave me no choice. The Empire wanted to destroy worlds, and they did. They destroyed mine. Like Zeb, Sabine was allowing her sins of the past to hold her back. To everyone around her, Sabine was headstrong and confident and self-assured. But inside, she harbored a deep and corrosive shame about what she had done during her brief time in the Imperial Academy. What Kanan was trying to do was to compel Sabine to confess this secret. She was being far too hard on herself. It was preventing her from claiming the mantle of leadership she was destined to fulfill. This confession was important because Sabine was sharing this part of herself with her new family. Kanan wanted Sabine to know that it made little difference to the ghost crew. They loved and supported her no matter what. You've come a long way in a very short time. 
Where you go from here is up to you. But know, this family will stand by you no matter what you choose. The key, perhaps, to understanding the ghost crew found family dynamic is how they treat their resident droid chopper. The C1-10P astromech was anything but lovable. Cantankerous, rude, ill-tempered, and temperamental, Chopper was not the most likable member of the crew. But even though droids were often mistreated or dismissed by other forms of sentient life, Chopper was treated like a member of the family. I've often said that R2-D2 is like the Skywalker family dog. He's not human, but he's still family. Chopper is no different. He may not be as lovably curmudgeon as R2, but his worth is no less appreciated by the ghost crew. He just happens to be a bucket of programming and loose parts. He still has feelings. He still has worth. The way Chopper's status is crystallized within the family framework of the show is how his history is treated by the other members of the crew. Chopper had been around for a while. Although he appeared to function as a tool like so many other astromech droids, Chopper had been through a lot. And that history had taken its toll on him in the form of PTSD. The first clue about this occurs in the episode Steps into Shadow Part 2. While on a mission to hijack a fleet of Y-Wing bombers, Chopper displays reluctance about interfacing with the navigation of a Y-Wing ship. Chopper has been traumatized by Y-Wings in the past. And that history is made clearer later when Hera visits her home planet of Ryloth, where she first encountered Chopper during the Clone Wars. There's Chopper. Chopper! Chop! What's with him? That Y-Wing crashed here back in the Clone War. My father left it as a memorial. It also happens to be the ship I pulled Chopper out of, so he still has issues with it. He'll be along. The fact that the Ghost Crew acknowledges Chopper's trauma was an indication that they viewed him as a member of their chosen family. He wasn't simply a tool to get things done. Chopper had feelings, and he had struggles with his memories of the past. Rather than ignore it or dismiss it, the Ghost Crew accepted it as part of what made Chopper, Chopper. Found family is about embracing anyone or anything according to what value they bring to the group. Chopper may not have been the most lovable member of the Ghost Crew, but he definitely was one of the most valuable, and his worth as family was not in dispute. We have been called criminals, but we are not. We are rebels, fighting for the people. Fighting for you. I'm not that old, but I remember a time when things were better on Lethal. Maybe not great, but never like this. See what the Empire has done to your lives, your families, and your freedom? It's only gonna get worse. Unless we stand up and fight back. It won't be easy. There'll be loss and sacrifice, but we can't back down just because we're afraid. That's when we need to stand the tallest. That's what my parents taught me. That's what my new family helped me remember. Ezra Bridger is inarguably the central character of the show. An opinionated and idealistic child of the streets, Ezra's character was molded into something much more as he formed relationships with everyone within the Ghost crew. 
His Force abilities were shaped and tempered by Kanan, the only other Force-sensitive member of the crew. Hera always saw something special in you. And so did I. At times, I was afraid. Afraid that I couldn't teach you everything you needed to know. But you did. I've learned so much. And so have I. We all have. In fact, sometimes I wonder if I have anything left to teach you. No, that can't be true. My own Jedi training was limited. I don't mean about the Force. I mean about life. About being a good person. That's what you've taught me. Ezra's sense of self was reflected in Sabine and her self-possession. She was only a few years older, but she possessed more experience. She was a mirror of what Ezra could be if he applied himself and learned from others as Sabine had. She was light years ahead of him in maturity, but Ezra was a quick study. Not too good at following directions, are you? Not so much. You? <laughs> Never been my specialty. Ezra learned how to apply his strength in the Force according to how Zeb applied his muscular strength in everyday life. Zeb was a blunt tool, all muscle and impulse. But from Zeb, Ezra learned that the value of strength was not in power, but in restraint. What are you doing out here, big guy? Uh, oh, hey, Ezra. Just getting a little fresh air and privacy. Pull up a crate. Watch the sunset. We're going to be leaving soon, Kanan and me. Yeah, I figured. Going off to the Red Blades, huh? Yeah, I don't know when we'll be back, or if we'll be back. Hey, hey, bad luck to talk like that. You'll be back. Of course, we'll probably have toppled the Empire by then. <laughs> we can swap war stories. <laughs> it's a deal. Chopper taught Ezra resilience. The scrappy little astromech was a bitter pill, but he could be counted on in a pinch. Chopper never gave up, and never gave in. Chopper taught Ezra that you don't have to be lovable to be worthy of love and respect. Yes! Very funny, but I don't need your help. Chopper! Come back here, you rolling junk pile! From Hera, Ezra learned to trust his conscience. He learned that being a leader could include compassion as well as strength, Empathy made a difference in the galaxy. You need to board the transport and warn them. What? Why don't you do it? I need to be ready to take off or none of us stands a chance. No, no way. Why would I risk my life for a bunch of strangers? Because Kanan risked his for you. If all you do is fight for your own life, then your life is worth nothing. They need you, Ezra. They need you right now. No cause was too remote or too hopeless as long as it helped the less fortunate or lifted up the weak and oppressed. In the quest to find his parents, Ezra had thought that the ghost crew would be a temporary stop along the way, a ragtag group of misfit smugglers he could hitch a ride with until he was reunited with his birth family and be whole again. But Ezra soon learned that the ghost crew were every bit as important as family. I know you have to go, but that doesn't mean you have to go alone. We support you. We're family. Speaking of family, where are the delinquents? Back to Lothal. Finding his biological parents was the dream that kept Ezra going. But one day, he learned the terrible truth about his parents' fate. And that was the day he realized that his place with the ghost crew had not been random circumstance. They're dead, aren't they? I'm sorry, son. 
there. Please tell me what happened. You know, even imprisoned, your parents would stand up for those who couldn't. Especially after they heard your message. Yes, that message. That message of rebellion you beamed out somehow made its way into the deepest dark of Imperial prisons. They were inspired by it, Ezra. They rallied others to rise up and break out. Dozens of us, rebels, sympathizers, are free thanks to them. But they didn't make it. They got separated in the escape. It was just like them not to leave until everyone else got out first. But by then it was too late. How? How did they know it was me? On the transmission? Your voice. Your words, son. Telling Lothal to stand up. They knew right away. You know, they used to say it all the time when I was little. If we don't stand up, who will? The Force had brought these people into his life. They were every bit as much family as the people who had brought him into the world. Ezra's parents gave him love and the values which would form the foundations of his character. They pointed him in the direction of the right path, but it was the ghost crew who helped Ezra walk that path. Ezra's search for his parents was not unlike an adopted child seeking their birth parents. It was the search for self, a way for Ezra to understand the context of his place in the galaxy. But this quest did not diminish the found family he'd made a home with aboard the ghost. They understood his need to reconnect with his birth parents. And when they discovered that his parents had perished, they mourned with Ezra as any family would. Moons are setting. Be morning soon. I saw them, Kanan. My parents, they were right here. I, I can't explain how. The Jedi teach that life doesn't cease at death, but merely changes form in the Force. Your parents are alive inside you, Ezra. They will be. Always. The beauty of found family is how it just sort of happens. We make new friends. We lose touch with old friends. This cycle occurs throughout our life. But sometimes we come across people who begin to mean more to us. So we hold on a bit tighter to those people. We begin to think of them not as acquaintances or friends, but as something much more. Those people are often the first ones we turn to in a crisis, or when we're feeling sad, or when we simply need an understanding shoulder to lean on. They reach out to us when they sense that we're troubled. They care. Five years ago, when Disney purchased Lucasfilm and the new Star Wars renaissance began, I could never have imagined where this reignited love for Star Wars would take me. Since I've been more active within the fan community, I've made friendships that will stand the test of time. They include people I've stayed in touch with despite being hundreds, sometimes thousands of miles apart. Some I've had the chance to meet in person at Star Wars Celebration, and some I've yet to meet. But it still feels as if I've known them my entire life. My Clashing Sabres family includes the latter category. Brandon, Lindsay, Drew, Adriana, and I have never met in person. This year's celebration in Anaheim was going to be where we at last met face to face. But the pandemic put those plans on hold. I'm sure it'll happen though, because we're family, and family finds a way to each other eventually. I've realized in the last couple of years that I can depend on my Clashing Sabres family. I'm honored to be able to contribute my stories and thoughts to the Clashing Sabres network of ideas and analysis, but affection for these friends goes deeper than just having Star Wars in common. 
I've chosen to think of them as family because they've turned into an extension of my family of origin, and they're just as important to me due to how much they've enriched my life. The pop culture legacy of Star Wars includes parents passing the movies down to their kids, but it also includes found families forming around celebrating a love for the stories of a galaxy far, far away. Star Wars, both on screen and off, will forever be a story about family. Thank you for listening to this latest episode. If you'd like to share your story of chosen family as it relates to Star Wars, you can send me an email at clashingsabersnetwork at gmail.com and remember to put Forever Star Wars in the subject line. Or you can drop me a message over at Twitter. My handle there is DJMMARQUIS, DJM Marquis. I'm also on Instagram at MMarquis1205. If you're interested in exploring more of my thoughts on this subject, I've written an article about found family and how I see some of my life reflected in the journey of Ahsoka Tano. Visit ClashingSabers.net and check it out. And as always, if you enjoy this episode or any of the other programs on Clashing Sabers, be sure to subscribe and give us a rating and review. Ratings and reviews are especially important because they give our podcast more visibility in searches. To all of our listeners, be safe, keep social distancing, wash your hands, and wear your mask. We'll see you soon. The views and commentary of Forever Star Wars do not reflect those of Lucasfilm or Disney. All licensed sound and music are property of their respective copyright holders. Clashing Sabres and Forever Star Wars are not affiliated with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of their subsidiaries. The commentary and production of this series is the property of Clashing Sabres and Forever Star Wars and may only be used with permission. Until next time, may the Force be with you. And always remember, your focus determines your reality.